Ah, it's lovely, 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 lovely. It's just great, isn't it? Going back through all the carols, love singing carols. It's so good. <laughs> so, big smile on my face. But as we've been working through this season of Advent, and you guys will know this, we've had a theme that's been been running behind everything that we've been doing since the start, and that theme has been joy, right? We've been looking at joy, and we've been looking at a, a certain working definition of joy throughout as well, because we've been saying, well, what is joy? Has been one of the biggest questions that's been sitting at the core, and we've been talking about one definition that sort of stuck throughout that Mark's been working with, and I'm sure you guys have almost got it ingrained by now, it has been said every week, but it's this, a deep sense of God's goodness and blessing regardless of circumstances, and that is the definition of joy that we're working with, a deep sense of God's goodness and blessing regardless of our circumstances. And today, we're going to look specifically into another kind of title under the heading of joy, and it's this. It's the joy of God being bigger. So that's where we're going today. Thought multiple times about how to phrase this. That was the best I came out with. So (laughs) we're going to make that the title. But it's the joy of God being bigger. And it's this idea that as we talk about joy and God being a, a deep sense of God's blessing, regardless of our circumstances, as being the working definition that we're going with for joy, it's fascinating to me that that's come up as our theme in a year like 2020. When we've been working through a time where actually a lot of the things that might bring us joy, in a sense, have been taken away. A lot of the the abilities that we might have, people we would love to meet with, things that we would love to do, people we'd love to see, activities we'd love to take part in, that we can't do currently. That might be the things that bring it. And yet in 2020 as well, because of COVID and lots of other things, we've been in a world where actually a lot of us know people or are people who've been through bereavements or really, really hard times. It has been a tough year. And actually, when you hit that stage, and then we're talking about joy, it's this understanding that I think joy and our emotional responses are two different things. You know? I think that a deep sense of joy, for me, I would almost get to the point where I would want to define joy as almost the opposite of hopelessness. Joy is just that sense that at the very core of who we are, it's going to be okay because God's blessing and His goodness exist in my life regardless of circumstances. But that's tough. That's tough, right? I think that's hard. And it's funny, especially as people, where we're so often people, I I don't know about you guys, certainly speaking for me at this point, but where circumstances affect our life so much, it's hard for them not to. You wake up in the morning and your kids have had a bad night's sleep. How are you going to feel that morning? Tired, right? (laughs) Probably grumpy. Is there going to be much you can do about it? Not masses, right? (laughs) And actually the circumstances that are inflicted on you result in an emotional response. There's not really a way around that. Yet, can you be a person who is tired and struggling, but still joyful? Can you be a person who's been through some awful times, but still be joyful? Can you carry yourself with a deep sense of God's goodness and blessing in your life, regardless of your circumstances, even if you're not having the best day? Because really, that's what joy is. 
That's what it is at its very core. And that's a massive, massive deal. It's a massive deal to get right. But it's funny, because if I hear joy personally, and I think that I've got to be on top form all the time, I know in myself I can't achieve that. I think I am a happy person, but at the same time, I am not happy every day. And actually, I'm never going to be, I don't think, but I can be a joy-filled person even on days when I'm struggling. That's different. And when we talk about a deep sense of God's goodness and blessing, regardless of circumstance, that means on my bad days, I don't feel hopeless. I don't feel lost. I don't feel like things are never going to change. That's different. It's a different, different, deep sense. That's why joy is so important. It's so important. And do you know what? This idea of God being bigger, what am I getting at? Well, we'll get there, but I want to bring up one question first. It should just pop up on the screen now. But that question is this. As it pops over, sorry, the clicker's not working the best on my laptop today. Thank you so much, Simeon. But it says this. What do you prefer, giving or receiving? As a person, which one do you prefer? We would have people in my house that would say different things to this. My wife is a giver. If you know Fee, then you've probably received a gift from Fee at some point. That's one of the things that is pretty definitive of people that Fee knows. She is very, very giving, and she gets a lot of joy from giving. Actually, in terms of receiving, she's happy to receive, but she would rather give, actually, and that would be totally true for her. Um, I think I'm on the fence. I like both. I think I like giving gifts to people when I know they're going to enjoy it. I really like doing that. I think I tend not to sleep. I said that on Christmas Eve. I'm awful for that. I always end up knackered on Christmas Day because the five-year-old in me comes out. It was a family tradition in my household growing up from about 14 that me and my dad every night, because he's just as bad as me, would take the dog for a walk at like 2 a.m. because we both knew neither of us would be asleep. Um, And actually, it's just passed on. And I think that with that being the case, what I started to find, though, was it was as I started to get people presents, I was really excited about them opening. That was the thing that did it for me. I couldn't sleep. I got too excited about what they'd think or see in their face. And the giving aspect for me became a really big deal. Kids, it's really funny, isn't it? Because even in kids, I would have thought every day of the week, every kid would have been like, just give me. (laughs) Although in our household, we're in a really mixed place. Eden definitely likes receiving, but she loves giving. I don't know how many mornings I wake up in a week where she hasn't made me something. Every morning she gets up at like 6, 6.30. Our kids like getting up far too early. Um, you know, I think half five to six o'clock would be a normal get up in our house on the holidays. I know, I love them dearly. Um, but I think it's one of those things that when they get up at that time, they've got a, a rule in our house now that is in place, but not necessarily obeyed, that you don't come through to mommy and daddy's room until 7 a.m. because if you want mommy and daddy to be nice, that's a good idea. Um, and actually, they go through to one of the other rooms in the house and they make stuff in the morning. And most mornings I'll wake up to cards or gifts or whatever that Eden's made because she just loves it. For Christmas this year, I don't know how many Christmas cards me and Fee got from Eden in the build-up to Christmas, but she loves giving, and that's very much naturally a part of who she is. Ariel loves receiving, absolutely loves it. Christmas Day was the best, wanted into every present all the time, every second of the day, and actually, no matter how many she was given, she'd have taken more. And, you know, Ariel just loves living in the moment, is so excited by the now, loves receiving. She loves receiving attention. She loves people's time. She loves being given stuff. She's getting there with the giving, but she is a receiver all day long. 
Eden's really naturally a giver. It's funny. But how about yourself? Do you like to give? Do you like to receive? Do you like both? Where do you work? Because the thing for me that's funny is we often think of Jesus, right? And I want to bring this around slightly, but we always think of Jesus as the perfect person, which he was, right? Not detracting from that. But we tend to think about him as the perfect person who never struggled the way that we do. And I don't think that that's necessarily true. I think Jesus suffered temptation the same way that we do. I think he suffered hurt and pain and loss and bereavement. I think he suffered loneliness. I think he suffered all of those things. And if he's the God that I want to try and emulate in my life, then I think the question for me becomes, well, how do I respond? The funny thing is, no matter how you're a giver or receiver or anything else, when we're talking about circumstances, it's funny, because for me, circumstances would affect which one I like the most. If I'm in a really good place, I love giving. If I'm struggling, I like being looked after. Anybody else with me? If I'm having a bad day, Fee knows this, the best thing you can do for me if I'm having a bad day is give me a coffee, some food I like, and leave me alone for five minutes, and I'll start to feel better. <laughs> it's kind of like, you've given me tactile stuff that makes me happy inside. I'll be back in five minutes, you know? And actually, that really works for me. And it's funny because I think that depending on my circumstances, it can depend on where I'm at. But the example I see in Jesus is different. See, the funny thing with him, and I want to bring up the next slide, Sim, if that's okay. Thanks, bro. I'll try and move it on on the clicker, but we'll see how it goes. Yeah, when Jesus felt loneliness, he gave the most. Isn't that funny? It's very counter to how I would work, but let me explain. When Jesus felt loneliest, he gave the most. When do you think Jesus felt loneliest? Think it's when he's on the cross, crying out, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, right? At that moment, completely abandoned, completely lonely, in that place of absolute loneliness. That's where he is, on the cross at that time. And when he's in that place, what's his response? His response is to give the biggest gift he ever gave. His response is to give his life. Isn't that fascinating? But for me, I think when I'm in those lonely places, what's my response? My response is like, well, someone please take care of me. The God I serve's example in those places is to give the most. Is to give the most. I want to ask you guys a question. When you're in those places where you can feel lonely or when that really hits, do you find that if you do something active to love someone else, it pulls you out of it? Do you know, for me at that point, I would say yes. I find that when I'm at home and I'm having days where I'm maybe feeling a little bit like that, if I don't have the luxury of pulling back, and actually my kids are there and very excited and you have to engage, then actually in engaging with them and being dad and playing with them, it often picks me up. That when I choose to give of myself, give of my time, give of my resource, even when I don't feel like it, it draws me away from that feeling. Like Mark's been saying throughout this Advent season, enjoy, we're made for community, right? We're made to be together. We're made to experience that. And it's in those places so often that we're drawn out of those internal feelings that we have. And the thing is, Christmas is awesome. I love it so much. In my household, as I say, we get so excited. We get so excited. 
I love the presents, I love the food, I love the day, I love the music. We were playing Christmas music, I think, from October this year. Don't judge me. Um, and actually, when we get to that point, it just brings joy, it brings happiness. I love it. Love it. But I know that for so many, Christmas is a time where it can be the total opposite, right? Christmas can be a time of noticing who's not there. It can be a time of feeling the pain of isolation. It can be a time of noticing what other people have and what you maybe don't. And Christmas can be a real time of that. I think for me, the easiest way to sum it up for me is Christmas is a time of amplification. It's a time of deepening. If you're in a place where joy is part of your life, then Christmas will be a time where that joy is exasperated, right? Where it's bigger, where it gets blown up, where it's amplified. But if you're a person who might feel isolated or lonely or might struggle in life, Christmas is probably a time where that is amplified, where that feeling of isolation is just made all the more present and all the more prevalent. And it's funny because for me, Christmas, it's one of these times of the year where it doesn't seem to matter if you're a person of faith or not. You know, it always fascinates me when I drive around my estate or walk around the estate. I took the girls intentionally this year. We went for lots of walks building up to Christmas to get the energy out of them for nighttime. And actually, going walks around the estate where we live, we're down at um, Deer Park near Gord Glen Primary School. When we're walking around the estate, there's loads of Christmas lights up. It's beautiful this year. And taking the dog walking around and the girls getting to see all the lights and getting proper excited by it was lovely. Cracking family moments. But at the same time, it's fascinating for me because I'm left sitting there going, I wonder how many people are actually people of faith who, in a sense, have any idea what they're celebrating bar just a commercialized holiday. And yet, life stops for it, for them as much as me. That lights are kicking around, that celebrations are going on, that everything is happening around it. And Christmas is strange for that, isn't it? doesn't seem to matter that if you're a person of faith or not. The period of Christmas has that remarkable quality of, of just deepening and joy that seems to touch not only Christians, but, but everyone in society. Everybody who lives, everybody's life is impacted by it. It's fascinating for that. But it is that concept that it's a deepening of wherever we're at. That if life's in a good place, or if family is a good place to be, or if home is a place of joy, Christmas is a time where that is amplified. And if it isn't, then Christmas is a time where the opposite is. And it can be really, really hard. It's fascinating for that. But that example of when Jesus was loneliest, it was actually where he gave the most for the people that he loved, which is all of us. Absolutely fascinating. So I want to bring around one point. It's going to come up on the next slide that's just going to come up. But God is bigger. That's what we're looking at today, right? The joy of God being bigger. But God is bigger than our hurts, than our darkness, than our lies, and our pain, even our death, than our loneliness. God's bigger than all of it, right? And the God that we serve and the God that we honor as Christians is bigger than our emotional responses. He's bigger than our life experience. And by the power of His Holy Spirit, He's able to bring us through it. And what we get to celebrate at Christmas is the ultimate gift of love and the ultimate gift of sacrifice. It's a phenomenal thing. That's why for me, I just, I struggle not to smile around this time of the year, no matter how life is, because I'm just like, do you know what? COVID's got nothing on the gift of Jesus. It's got nothing. You know, and as much as it can become all-consuming to life just now, actually joy is a deep sense of God's blessing and goodness in spite of my circumstances regardless of my circumstances. 
God is good. The greatest gift ever given was still given. I want to read something to you now. I came across this this week. I love it. It's a prayer, but I want to read it out. It says this, Oh, Lord, how hard it is to accept your way. You come to me as a small, powerless child born away from your home. You live for me as a stranger in your own land. You die for me as a criminal outside the walls of the city, rejected by your own people, misunderstood by your friends, and feeling abandoned by your God. As I prepare to celebrate your birth, or as we're after celebrating his birth, I'm trying to feel loved, accepted, and at home in this world, and I'm trying to overcome the feelings of alienation and separation that can continue to get to me. But I wonder now if my deep sense of homelessness doesn't bring me closer to you than my occasional feelings of belonging. Where do I truly celebrate your birth? In a cozy home or in an unfamiliar house? Among welcoming friends or among unknown strangers? With feelings of well-being or with feelings of loneliness? I don't have to run away from those experiences that are closest to yours. Just as you do not belong to this world, so I do not belong to this world. Every time I feel this way, I have an occasion to be grateful and to embrace you better and taste more fully your joy and peace. Come, Lord Jesus, and be with me where I feel poorest. I trust that this is the place where you will find your manger and bring your light. Come, Lord Jesus. Come. Amen. This concept, isn't it, that Jesus was born into a place that was unfamiliar to his family. Rejected in his hometown. Died a criminal's death, having done nothing wrong. That actually, that being on the outskirts of society, not being the popular one, was an experience he knew. And he knew very well. He knew both sides. There were also times where he went to preach. And so many people followed him because he was so popular at stages in his ministry that he ended up preaching from a boat because he couldn't stand on the shore anymore. You know, he went to both extremes. But that extreme of emotion on either side, he felt it. He knows it. He knows what it's like to be in our shoes and where we're at. I want to bring up one verse just now. It's from 1 Thessalonians 1, 6. Come up on the screen. It says this, You became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. What a gift, right? That our job is to be imitators of the people who brought us forward in faith, to be imitators of Jesus, even in the midst of extreme suffering, by the power given to us and the joy given to us by the Holy Spirit. See, this idea of actually living with a sense of joy, experiencing a sense of joy in the midst of suffering is a phenomenally biblical principle. It's something that just exists throughout the Bible. The the disciples, how many of them were martyred for their faith? So many. How many of them went through persecution? So many. How many of them ran in threat of their life? So many. And how many of them experienced joy in the midst of those circumstances? All. Do you know that's the life we're called to? It's a life of joy in the midst of suffering. That's what this life on earth is as a Christian, right? I'm going to try and live to God's purposes, experiencing His joy, living in a world that is so obviously fallen. See, we can welcome the message of joy, even in the midst of the suffering, because of the Holy Spirit. In this world, and you've got to love this verse from Jesus, right? We will have troubles, but what does Jesus say? But take heart, I have overcome the world. It's this idea that, you know, even in the midst of these circumstances, Jesus is saying, but take heart, I have overcome the world. A deep sense 
of God's goodness and blessing regardless of circumstances, but only by the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. It's the only way we experience it. But what a gift, right? If I was to sit here this morning and say to you that for Christmas this year, I could give you the gift of joy in any circumstance, anywhere, ever, no matter what happens in your life, that I could offer you that as a Christmas gift this year, I think the world would be queued outside this church going, yes, please, right? No matter what hits your life, you can have joy. You can live as a joy-filled person in this world, no matter what hits you, regardless of circumstances, a person that knows God's blessing and goodness in their life all the time. I can offer you that this morning. I think we'd have a queue outside this church a mile long, right? The funny thing is, as Christians, the Holy Spirit's available to us. It's exactly what's on offer. It's exactly what's on offer as we draw close to Him. And that's the life that we're called to. See, for me, the surprise in this world living Jesus' way is not that unexpectedly things turn out better than we thought, right? It's not that we pray and suddenly every situation changes. Don't get me wrong, that happens. But I've had plenty of situations I've prayed for where it did not go the way I wanted it to. So actually, it goes on both sides, that for me. And I don't know what God's will is in them, but I trust them. Prayer is still a very important thing. I'm not saying it's not. But actually, joy and living by the power of the Holy Spirit, the surprise is not that unexpectedly things turn out better than we thought. Now, I think the real surprise is that we start to find that God's light is more real than our darkness, that God's truth is more powerful than all human lies, and that God's love is stronger than death. That's the surprise, that He can have us through all of those circumstances, that He can hold us, that His love is enough, and that His joy will sustain by the power of the Holy Spirit at work in our life. That's the real surprise, and that's the real gift of joy that is on offer to us. I want to read this passage from Romans 8 says this, no, in all things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You want to talk about good news? There is nothing that can happen, nothing. Life can't throw anything at you that separates you from God. It can't. There's nothing the enemy can do, nothing life can do, nothing anything can throw at you to make you withdraw from God. The Holy Spirit is always enough to sustain us in circumstances as we draw close to Him. What good news that is. And yet I find myself sitting here as somebody who on bad days can basically take the approach to God of putting my fingers in my ears and going la, 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 right? I'm not talking to you because life is difficult today and it should be easier. It's funny, isn't it? I know that God is with me in these circumstances, yet I do the petulant child thing. Not as often as I used to. I'm growing in faith, okay? I'm maturing. But I still have my days. (laughs) And the wonderful thing about God's love is that it sustains. That even on my daft days, the Holy Spirit is still there. If I choose to ignore Him, that's my choice. But He is still there looking to support me. What a gift. What a gift. What an amazing God we serve. What an amazing God we serve. I think the thing that I would want to say this morning as I'm starting moving towards the finish is this. The only way that we experience the joy 
that Jesus has got for us, that the Holy Spirit has got for us, the only way that we're able to live in this place. We talked about Christmas being this place of deepening and of amplification of life and of circumstances. The only way for me that we grow in that sense of joy and that sense of purposefulness, of hopefulness, and actually of all the gifts of the, the fruit of the Spirit that we looked at earlier on this year, of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, the way we grow in all these areas in our life and find the life that God's called us to is by a deepening of our relationship with Him. That's where it's found. It's found in a deepening relationship with the Holy Spirit in our life, a deepening in our relationship with Christ, the amplification that comes in faith as we do that, And for me, Christmas is one of these places where we start to see that joy just grow for so many, but that's available in that deeper place. See, 2020 has been hard, but He's with us. Christmas is a time of deepening, but if I desire a deepening of joy in my life, only a deepening of my life with Jesus can make that possible. Only a deepening of my life with Jesus can make that possible. But you know the absolute best news is that He holds up His end of the bargain. How good's that? He's there for you. He's waiting. The Holy Spirit's at work within you just now, calling you to that place of joy, looking to deepen that relationship. And the wonderful thing about God's love is that He gives you the complete choice on what your response is. If you're having a bad day and you want to engage with Him and find that joy, you can do that. If you're having a bad day and don't want to, you can do that too. He loves you enough to give you that choice. But do you know, I really struggle with concepts in the Bible like joy, where I can look at my own life and think, but I don't experience it the way I want to. I'm getting better, but I can have those moments where you think, I don't experience this the way I want to all the time. And the fascinating thing for me is either it's possible or Jesus is a liar because he offers it. Either it's possible that the Holy Spirit can bring us to that place where we can find joy in all circumstances. Or that passage from 1 Thessalonians isn't true. So it is possible. It's just our maturity in getting there. Our maturity in getting there. How do you draw close to the Holy Spirit? How do you do it? How do you allow Him to bring you joy? How do you engage? How do we bring that deepening sense of joy in our life and a deepening of relationship with Him? That doesn't mean our emotional response will always be wonderful. That doesn't mean we're going to be happy every day. But that we don't hit that place of hopelessness. Because joy defines the person that we are. Because of who we are in Christ. I want to finish on a passage from Jude 1. So it's just going to come up just now. Love this. Love this. To him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. Amen. See, it's funny. Um, there's a lot of these kind of jokes that go about on TV around Christmas about Jesus being a baby and all that kind of stuff. And you hit that point where as a person, I always sit there going, he did grow up. You know, you sort of hit that phase where it's like, he did grow up. And actually, when he grew up, he went to do some pretty amazing things. You know, miracles, signs and wonders of the kingdom, loved the unlovable, moved in circles that nobody else would. 
took steps that nobody understood, was so out there in his love for other people that he offended the authorities to the extent where they wanted to kill him. And then when they did that, even when he had the power to get down himself, chose not to, at his loneliest, gave the most. Why? Because he loves you that much and wants you by the power of his spirit to be able to experience that joy in your life. That's the God we serve. That's why we celebrate. That's why we celebrate. Because no matter how my circumstances are today, I have a God that is worth celebrating. No matter what he does for me for the rest of my life from now on in, I have a God worth celebrating. No matter how emotionally I feel today, I have a God worth celebrating. And actually, the Bible calls celebration a discipline because it's something that we should do because it lifts our head and reminds us of that joy. It reminds us of that joy. It pulls us from our circumstances and allows us to find hope. Guys, Jesus is so good. He is so good. The Holy Spirit's at work in your life. And as I'm talking about this morning, we have a joy that God is bigger than our circumstances. He is bigger than our hearts. He's bigger than our pain. He's bigger than our darkness. He's bigger than COVID. He's bigger than 2020. And he's bigger than 2021. Do you know, as we live, when we draw close to him, we can find joy in every circumstance not irrespective of them, and not pretend real joy, even in the midst of real pain. That's the God we serve. And the surprise is, His light is bigger than the darkness, and His love is greater than death. What a God we serve. What a God we serve. Let me pray, and then we're going to move into worship.